0: The Lord calls us to worship this morning from Psalm 122 and Psalm 98. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. The Lord has made known his salvation, his righteousness he has revealed in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his mercy and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all of the earth. Break forth in song. Rejoice and sing praises. Amen. We come today as your people, the church, expectantly in your presence, that as we join our hearts together to sing praises to you, to lift up the name of our Savior, that, Lord, in, even in these moments you would pour out your Spirit upon us, that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit, that we might say and do and think all things pleasing in your sight. Lord, we pray that the meditation of our hearts and the words of our mouths would bring glory to you today. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us, even as we do not know how, to give glory to you in a way that is worthy of all of your honor. We pray that you would help us today. And we join our hearts together now and pray out loud the prayer that you taught your disciples, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. This morning for our confession of faith, we're going to be reciting the Apostles' Creed. It's on page 845 in the green hymnal, if you would like to look at it. I'm going to begin by asking you, since this is a statement of faith, Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell Hear these words of assurance from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come, and put all things under His feet, and gave Him to be head over all things to the church, to which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Amen. As we continue to worship, turn in your hymnal to page number 101 as we sing together, Come Thou Almighty King. can come forward at this time for the children's sermon. Good morning, boys and girls. It's good to see you. We are continuing this morning as we study the Apostles' Creed. We're looking at the statement that we said this morning, I believe in the Holy Ghost. And I've got a question for you. Is the Holy Ghost like what we may have seen? Has anybody seen Star Wars? Nobody? That's unfortunate. Um, (laughs) So is the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit in the Bible, is he like in the movie Star Wars? Does anybody know what the Force is? Is he like the Force? No? No? He's not. In fact, He's not a force at all. The Bible says when we confess, I believe in the Holy Ghost, we are confessing that we believe He's actually a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. And He is equal with God the Father and God the Son. We've been now looking at this uh, Apostles' Creed all summer. We said that we believed in God the Father Almighty, the One who made everything. We said we believed in Jesus Christ His only Son, our Lord. And today we say, I believe in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is not a power or a force, though He has power. He has power as the living God. He is a person. And He's a person who comes to believers. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ by faith, He is a gift that Jesus promised to give to you. Does anybody remember what this special gift, the Holy Ghost, what does the Holy Ghost do for believers? Anybody remember? He
1: puts Jesus. He helps you to obey Jesus.
0: That's right. James said he helps you to obey Jesus. It's exactly right. He does help you. He helps you to know the truth. He helps you to obey. And without His power in your life as a believer, you wouldn't be able to obey Jesus at all. James is is very right. What else does the Holy Spirit do? Can you think of anything else that He does? What about when we are going through difficulty or times that are really sad? What did Jesus promise the Holy Spirit would do for us? He would comfort us. He would would be there with us. He He would walk with us through our sorrows and encourage our hearts. So as you think about those words that we confess on Sunday mornings, I believe in the Holy Ghost. I want you to remember He's a person. He's a gift from God the Father sent through Jesus that we would know the truth and that we would be comforted and that we would be able to, as James reminded us, be able to obey Jesus because apart from His help, we are helpless to do it. We can't. We are not strong enough. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank You for these covenant children that You have blessed our families with. What a trust that You have given to us as parents that we would raise them to know You. Lord, I thank You for them. I thank You that uh, we are able to see Your blessing even in the number of children we have here at Lebanon. What a blessing it is to see little heads, little hands, and feet growing up and becoming young men and women. And Lord, I pray for them that you would build up their faith in you. That as they grow up, as they are just starting in school again this year, Lord, I pray that you would help them to know, even as they learn math and reading and history and science, that the most important thing they can learn and believe by faith is that Jesus came to die for them and pay for their sins and that they would have hope only in You. Lord, we pray that You would do this for Your glory both in their lives and throughout the world. And Lord, we do look to You that You would put saving faith in their hearts that they would cry out to You from their own lips and say, Jesus is Lord. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. This morning, for our responsive reading, we're going to be reading Psalm 90. It's on page 816 in the Green Hymnal. We'll read this responsively. I'll begin with the light portion. Please respond out loud together with the bold. Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Turn men back to dust, saying, Return to dust, O sons of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that is just gone by, or like a wash in the night. You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. the morning
1: it turns up new. By it is dry and wither.
0: We are consumed by your anger and terrified. By your indignation. Have set
1: our you. our sins the life
0: of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We our years with the, month. the length of our days is seventy years, or eighty, if we have the strength. Who knows the power of your anger? For your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you. Teach us to our right, that
1: we may wisdom.
0: Relent, O Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all
1: our days.
0: Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May deeds be shown to your servants,
1: your to
0: their May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Let's stand together as we continue to worship and turn in your hymnal to number 600 and sing, He leadeth me. Pastoral prayer time this morning, I wanted to just share a few things with you that we um, announced earlier this month uh, that we would open and have opened officer nominations for elder and deacon candidates. Uh, Those nominations are open until September the 10th, and you can give your nomination to an elder. Um, Please don't place it in the offering plate. You can do so in writing or uh, verbally. But the elders have asked that our members prayerfully consider the scriptural qualifications of each office and to nominate men who exhibit the qualities that we see in the Scriptures. And we know that men are not going to exhibit these qualities to perfection, but we expect to be able to see them as a visible pattern of how they live. And I want to recommend to you, if you haven't already, there are copies of this um, officer nomination pamphlet in the foyer. Grab one on the way out as you pray this week about who you may nominate for office of elder or deacon. The qualifications for office... Uh, These qualifications were not written by the elders of this church, but by the Lord Jesus, who is the head of the church triumphant. Your elders and deacons have already been praying specifically that the Lord God would raise up men among us to be those who would serve us in this next season. And as a church, we should have confidence, full confidence, that the Lord will provide. He will be faithful, and He will lead us even in this. So I want to pray this morning specifically for this officer nomination season and also pray thanking the Lord for the men who have faithfully served in this church for many, many years and those who serve us now. Let us pray. Father, I thank you that this morning we gather as your church. And though we do not understand how all of it is possible, we know that it is by your hand and by your strength that the church is preserved. Not only the church universal, but this church, Lebanon, We have been here these many years, not because of the wisdom of men or the skill of others, but because of your faithful hand. And Lord, we pray at this time that you would specifically be placing in the hearts of your people, those men that you have filled with your spirit to serve in this next season here at Lebanon. Lord, I pray that you would help us as we pray, as we consider, to read what the scriptures say about filling the office of elder or deacon. That these are spiritual offices. These aren't uh, political posts. These are jobs that you have given in your church to glorify the Lord Jesus and to magnify your name. And Lord, we pray that you would do that in our midst. Lord, as we gather as your people to pray, as we lift up our hearts together now, we also do pray for those among us who are, are sick. Those who are grieving. Those who struggle mentally, emotionally. And those who are looking at their finances and saying, I don't know how we are going to see this through to the end of the month. I don't see how the ends meet. Lord, I pray that you would be working in our midst. That you would use us to encourage one another in the body of Christ. And Lord, I pray that as we all look to you for our finances, whether it is a season of plenty or a season of little, Lord, I pray that you would be the one who does meet our needs. And Lord, I pray for your people today that You would sanctify for them this week special times each day, that they would sit with You and open the Word of God, that they would pray that You would illumine their minds and their hearts. Lord, I pray that You would be with them by Your Spirit, and that You would give them wonderful times in Your Word to encourage them. Lord, we thank You and we praise You that You have called us out of the kingdom of darkness and into Your kingdom of light to be Your sons and daughters. And Lord, we pray that as... Humble people in Your presence, knowing that You are the King. Lord, we pray that You would use us, even weak people, as us, to spread the good news of the Gospel with our friends and our neighbors. Help us, Lord, to share it in a skillful way and a careful way even with our family, those who may not know You. And Lord, we pray, expectantly waiting, that You would be calling all of Your sons and daughters into the kingdom. And we thank You, Lord, that You give us a participation in it. In Jesus' name. Amen. This morning I want to invite you to open your Bible to the book of Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. The sermon is entitled A Sacred Calling. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. This is the word of the Lord. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the depth and the height of to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to Him be glory in the church, by Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This morning we're going to consider the leadership Jesus appoints in His church In light of Ephesians chapter 14, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21, as Samuel Stone wrote in his very memorable hymn, The Church's One Foundation, he says, The Church's One Foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her. And for her life, he died. Samuel Stone wrote those words in 1866. In an essay written by Mark Garcia entitled, The Church, The Well-Ordered Church in a World of Distrust, he said these words about the church. Among the songs of the sons of Korah, we read in Psalm 87, verse 3, Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God. At the close of the Holy Scripture, an angel invites the servant of the Lord, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. In Revelation chapter 21, verses 9 through 11. The city who is a bride, a glorious bride, who is the church of the Lamb, these images are anchored in something more, that the sons of Korah say. They say of the church of Jesus Christ, she is loved. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling places of Jacob. Psalm 87 verse 2. This love is easy to miss in reflections on church order. You might be saying, could we have picked a duller topic this morning than to talk about the leadership in the church? Are you really going to fill the next 25 to 30 minutes talking about elders and deacons. Lord, help me. (laughs) And yet, Garcia goes on to say, this love that Jesus has for the church is easy to miss in reflections on church order, but it is the ardor that is at work in the order. And the word ardor means enthusiasm or excitement or love. And as we look at the church this morning, as we think about this sacred calling of being an elder or a deacon in the church, I hope that you have a glimpse of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ even in this expression of the church here at Lebanon. The words that I just read about the church from the Psalms and from Revelation are uplifting and transcendent. As we think about gathering this morning, did you think of yourself as the beautiful bride of Christ, the church? As we walked in this morning, did you think about one day a heavenly marriage between Christ and His church and that you will be a part of it, that He came and died for you to make you part of His family? It causes us to lift up our head and to lift up our soul, and it depicts the Christ-exalting origin of God's church, its power, and its hope. Even still, though, with all of this glory in mind, we live in this fallen world And as Ben Kuyper wrote, today the glory of the church is thickly veiled. Indeed, failures in leadership and abuses of power add to the thickness of that veil for many people today. We live in an age increasingly cynical about leadership, some of it for good reason. Much of it simply the mood of our times. Still, the risen Lord Jesus Christ continues to do the countercultural work that He has done for two millennia. He appoints leaders in His church, not as a burden, but as a gift to God's people. In His wisdom, Jesus calls ordinary men to be officers, to be elders and deacons in His church, to serve for His glory. And I just want to say a quick word of thanks and a word of encouragement to our elders and deacons, those who are serving now and those who may have rotated off. Thank you for your service to this body, the church. Maybe you haven't served in some years, but you served previously. Thank you for your service to the Lord's church. For loving God's people. And to say to you, dear brothers, nothing that you do is meaningless. Nothing has no worth at all. What you do is for the kingdom of God and for His glory. And as we look at this passage this morning, you might say, this is not a passage about leadership. This is a passage about everyone in the church without distinction." And I would say, yes, it is. But I will also say that it is the minimum requirement of a man who loves the Lord, who would serve in the church, that these words would be on his heart and in his mind that he would love this church. So I want to look at this passage under three headings. Number one, the church is under the authority of God. Number two, a leader should have sincere devotion to the church. And lastly, A leader should serve for the glory of God alone. So I'm talking this morning about the spiritual offices of elder and deacon, both of them. There will be things that will be specific maybe to one or to the other, but in general, this is about elders and deacons. Number one, that leaders in the church serve under the authority of God. In verse 14, Paul says unashamedly, "...for this reason I bow my knee to the Father." And he's answering the question, who's in charge in the church? It's God Almighty and no one else. It is His. Leadership in the church is under the headship of Jesus Christ. And any authority that any man has is derived authority. It is not His own. It is a gift to the church. The elders are to represent the people of God. The deacons are to represent the people of God. Certain authority has been transferred and entrusted to them, but it is not their authority to have, as First Peter says in chapter 5, that you're not to lord that authority over them, but to love the people of God. The posture of kneeling here that Paul is demonstrating indicates intensity of emotion and magnification of honor. In Luke chapter 22, verse 41, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, He knelt down in prayer to the Father, the Son of God knelt down in prayer to His heavenly Father. In Romans chapter 11, verse 4, Paul speaks of the ancient Israelites who did not bow the knee to Baal as model disciples. To kneel is something significant. It should draw a picture in our minds. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, it says that Daniel knelt down physically three times a day in prayer to God. To kneel, to be before the King of the universe is significant. And that we should understand, as Paul says, that leadership is under the authority of God in his church. There's an inner sense of humility before the Lord that any leader in the church should have. As the one to whom we as leaders in the church will give an account. Not only for our work, but the Bible also says that the elders will give an account for the spiritual state of those under their care. It is a holy office. It is a sacred calling. It is not a job that you do so that others recognize you or know he's one of the ones in charge. In fact, they should see you as one of the greatest servants among God's people. No agendas in the church of the Lord Jesus. There is no room for them. There is already one, and he has told us what it is. In verse 15, he says that it is according to the riches of his glory that he asks. He goes to the Father and asks that everything would be given according to the riches of His glory. And He's answering the question Whose resources is it that furthers the ministry of the church? He answers that question very clearly It's God's resources, God Almighty's. God is the one who provides for His church. Throughout the scriptures and in the church, this statement of faith is wrestled with by asking Will God provide for us? Can He see our present needs? Is He really concerned for us? Depend on it. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. He is too wise a God to frustrate His purposes for lack of funds. And He can just as easily supply them ahead of time as afterwards. And He much prefers doing so. These were the words of Hudson Taylor, the great missionary who served at the China Inland Mission. Depend on it. God's work in God's way will never lack God's supply and through the years and through many years that many of us have not been here at Lebanon and I know that I'm one of the newest God has been faithful here for generations he has continued this church for his purposes in this community and by faith we believe that he will continue to do so and one of the ways that he does that to show his faithfulness is to raise up men to serve him as elders and deacons to love his body the church. Solid faith in God's gift and divine providence for His church. That's what should describe our faith in this time of officer nomination. Solid faith in His gifts and His divine providence for the church. You say, well, what does that apply to, Pastor? I say it includes our leaders. It includes our finances. It includes unexpected expenses. It includes volunteers for different ministries, like Sunday school teachers or people who work with one another, maybe super seniors to cook a meal or maybe to teach a class or be involved on Sunday evenings. It involves a, a vigorous desire to do evangelism and any other ministry endeavor, a solid faith in God's gifts and divine providence that He will continue the work that He started here. You should have that burning in your soul that God will do it. It doesn't depend on me. But as far as it depends on me, I will participate with everything in me for his glory. He gets all of it. Not part of me. He gets all of it. So number one, a leader in the church serves under the authority of God. It is his church. Number two, a leader in the church has severe, sincere devotion to his church. This is Paul's prayer for the saints who gather as God's people. In the Presbyterian form of church government, we believe in two biblical spiritual offices, elders and deacons, fulfilling spiritually God-ordained roles. They are separate. They have different responsibilities. They function differently. Their areas of responsibility are different as well. In the book of Acts, chapter 6, we see the first deacons elected. There was a dispute that arose among the, the Greek widows because it seemed that their widows were not receiving the resources that they should have. And the Jewish ones were. And so the people went to the apostles and said, you've got to make this right. And so they said, we cannot set aside the word of God in prayer to take care of this, but appoint men filled with the Holy Spirit who you have seen God work in your midst with and let them take care of this, entrust this to them with authority and power that they will take care of it and that there won't be any worry about not dividing out the resources of the church carefully. And so... Those are the two offices, those who are responsible for the entire ministry, those who are responsible to care for the souls of God's people, and those who take care and are serving in a different way, in a different capacity. The deacons are responsible in our church here at Lebanon for ministries of mercy, for encouraging the grace of liberality that God's people would would give, and they would use the resources of the church for the sake of the kingdom. They take care of the buildings and the grounds, and they do so quite well. From my ad. Lebanon is a beautiful place. It does bring glory to God. Writing down thirty-four. They're responsible for the finances in the church, to see that things are taken care of, that there is money set aside for a rainy day or something unexpected. And they do this well as well. The elders are responsible for the ministry of the church, for shepherding God's people by teaching them God's word, for visiting them in their homes. They're responsible to pray for them. I don't mean generally, Lord, I pray for the people at Lebanon. I mean praying by name and knowing what's going on in their lives in the midst of difficulty with them, praying with and for them and being there. The elders are also responsible for discipline in the church, for being sure that God's people are guarded in a special way, for ruling and making decisions. They're responsible to make a decision and to be in it with one another. I told our elders when I first came, that we may have discussion over topics. We may even at times sometimes disagree. But what is significant and important to me is as a minister of the gospel, that when we leave that room, we are in unity together for the sake of God's people and the kingdom. We may have different opinions, but once we make a decision, we are together. And we make that decision together for the sake of God's people. And lastly, I just want to point out something that uh, is encouraging and comforting to me, but also what a sacred trust it is. In our book of church order, it says that elders specifically have the task of being sure to care for and guard the children of the church. And to to nourish them, it is our responsibility to do it. It is a sacred, sacred trust that you would send your children to Sunday school or Sunday night or to youth group or to something else that they would hear the word of God, not just play games, That's part of it. But they would hear the Word of God, that it would be further encouraged and cemented in their times together with leaders in this church that we're telling them the same words that you're teaching them at home around the kitchen table. That the Bible they're hearing is the same one they hear at home. The elders have a sacred calling. The deacons have a sacred calling. They work together in a complementarian type of way for the good of the whole body. There is no pointless task. There is no menial work. This is the work of the Lord Jesus for the glory of the Lord Jesus. Look at Ephesians chapter 3 again, verses 16 to 19. I want to read those verses again. He's praying. This is Paul praying for the church. He says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. He is answering the question, why and who do we serve? Why do we serve men, deacons and elders? Why do we serve in the church? We serve so that everyone in our care would know Christ. And who do we serve? We serve the saints. We serve the Lord Jesus. We don't serve ourselves. We don't serve for the sake of power or having a title or prestige. We serve the Lord Jesus alone. The desire of the leader is to point God's people to their all-sufficient Savior and not to themselves. He's praying that they would be strengthened in their inner man to know Christ's love. That's why you do what you do, deacon. That's why you're here to make sure the doors are unlocked. That's why you count the money that's put in the offering plate. That God's people would learn to walk faithfully with Him every day by reading His Word and praying. That's why you meet once a month elders. To pray for God's people. And in the fullness of God, that we would see all of God's people walking together step for step. Putting on the armor of God according to Ephesians 6, verse 10, that you may be able to stand against all the wiles of the devil, awaiting the return of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, that each and every one of us may get home safely. When Jesus spoke to the disciples and when He prayed about God's people, He said to the Father, of those that you gave Me, I lost none. There are no insignificant people at Lebanon Presbyterian Church. Your soul matters to the Lord. Your participation here matters to the Lord. Your elders pray for you and love you. Your deacons are serving you out of love and faith. The question that you should ask yourself this morning is not, do I know theology or doctrine? Or am I up on all the Presbyterian polity and know what church government looks like? The question is, do you know Jesus and His great love It's not possible, says Sinclair Ferguson, to be a Christian unless you are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. This kind of discipleship is not an optional extra in the church. It's not an optional extra to church membership at Lebanon. Without it, we are only paper members, he says. That is to say, we may be attached to a church. Our name might be on a list, but we do not really belong to Jesus. What is it that you hang your hope on, dear church member? That your name is on the rolls here? That your name is beside another family member who you love or appreciate? Or does it matter to you that you know the Lord Jesus? That's what Paul is praying for the members in the church at Ephesus, that they would know the love of God, the depth of it. And that is why your officers serve here at Lebanon. Secondly, under point number two, leaders serve with a sincere desire and devotion for the church. Leadership is committed to the community. To the unity of the saints. Notice in verse 18. He says that you may comprehend with all the saints. With the saints. There's a unity of knowledge of the love of Jesus. There's something about learning the love of Jesus. That you cannot learn just simply sitting at home. It is different. Being a part of the body of Christ. There is a a, a unity that's enjoyed with one another as the church. We submit our suspicions of real unity to Jesus' intention to bind us together in communion by the Spirit. What other table in all of the world would you see people from different walks of life, even represented in this church, what other table unifies God's people except for the communion table? You may never sit down and have a meal with certain other people in the church, just as circumstances would have it. But as we gather the first Sunday in September, as we celebrate the table of the Lord's grace, You come there and fellowship together in a real way as the body of Christ. And you have to set aside your suspicions. Well, is that one really in the church? Or is their name just on the papers? You have to set aside your own prejudices and say, this one is a member of the body of Christ, the one that Christ died for. And I am to be united to them by his spirit. Praise the Lord. I just want to encourage you don't stray, dear saint. Even if you are discouraged. Even if you're discouraged about your leadership. Don't stray, dear saint. Jesus is on His throne. He is working and leading and guiding even your leaders. And your participation is needed here as the expression of the body of Christ is seen here in His church. Lastly, leaders serve for the glory of God alone. Paul moves away from his prayer requests and his prayer to God now to a doxology. And he begins saying in verse 20 and 21, to Him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think, to Him, the Father, be glory in the church by Jesus Christ for all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This really is the final answer for people who might have an inclination to say, I love Jesus, but I can't love the church. I've been burned too many times. I've been hurt too many times. This is the final answer. Let there be glory to the Father by Jesus Christ in the church. What you have to be able to do, even if that's you, even if you've been hurt, you have to be able to say that in the end, I am making a prideful statement that's saying in my heart, I have a better understanding than God for how He might bring glory to Himself. And this church just can't be the way it's done. You have to bow your knee to that. Dear one, I said leadership in the church is to serve for the glory of God. The leadership in this church and in any church that takes the Bible seriously, that follows the leadership of the King, the Lord Jesus, they should have a particular quality that one writer calls a recessive ministry. And what he means is this, and I think it's a beautiful picture of the church serving for the sake of the glory of Jesus He says that leadership in the church should have a recessive ministry in which Christ, the true pastor, is relentlessly put forward as His servants relentlessly recede in the background. That God may be seen in all His fullness. That God's people wouldn't miss a glimpse of Him. I would rather you see Him than see me. That's what a leader has to be able to say to God's people. The enormity of God of the whole world is on display And on the throne of our hearts. The issue is not, dear believer, that you have big problems. That there are monumental things in your life that you cannot seem to be able to get past. Or difficulties that seem too big for you. The problem is, for many of us, that our God is too small. We don't believe He can take care of it. We don't believe He can be trusted with it. If I give this to Him, I have to let it go. We struggle here. This text... This passage of Scripture in Ephesians 3 is saying that our infinite, eternal, unchanging God indeed is able to answer our deeply personal prayers, but He is also at work in this vast universe doing more than we could ever fathom beyond our wildest dreams and most lofty requests. He is at work in all things to bring glory to Himself. I want to lastly consider some things that God has done and accomplished in Christ. By a word... God created the things that we see, taste, touch, and smell. He named every human being. It says in verse 14 that He is the Father from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. He demonstrates and pours out His irresistible love for sinners by the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He, the Father, creates life in people who were called dead in Ephesians. In the hearts of people by giving them repentance and faith. Do you believe that this morning, dear church? That the repentance and faith that you look to the Lord with are gifts from Him. They're not offerings you take and give to Him. He, God the Father, is gathering from all the nations on the earth a people for His own possession, the church. And we have a participation in that here. And in this imperfect bride, God Almighty is bringing glory to Himself for all people in all times to see and behold Him. I finish with the words from Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You ask, why do we serve as elders and deacons? That's why we serve. For the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and waiting for His coming hoping and praying and laboring by all the means of God's appointing that you would see the love of Jesus Christ. Not that you would see us, but that you would see your Savior. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this sacred calling that you have placed on men in your church. We are not perfect men, not by any stretch. But Lord, I pray that you would put in the hearts of your people, as we think about nominating men for office, that we would do so with fear and trembling knowing that it is your church and not ours. It is your agenda, not ours. Lord, I thank you and I praise you for the men who have served in this church faithfully over the years, over many years. And I pray, Lord, that we would, as a congregation, as members here at Lebanon, continue to look to you for faithfulness and hope and guidance, because you are on the throne. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand together and sing. Turn in your hymnal to number 644. May the mind of Christ my Savior... I pray that the melody of that song that we just heard would be a tune in our hearts. How deep the Father's love for us. Lord, help us to run back to that as we have questions about the goodness of God, as we look at the difficulties in our lives. And I pray that we would also look to the the supply of God, as we look at the uh, lack of riches maybe in our lives at times. Lord, I pray that you would fill us to all fullness, that we would behold the glory of God. And I pray, Lord, as we think about giving our tithes and our offerings this morning, this is not just simply something we do as a part of our order of worship. It is part of worship to the living God, that we would say not only to our hearts, but also to our doubts, that God will supply all of my needs, that He will take care of me and my family, and that He is using this, this, my tithes and offerings, for the glory of His name throughout the world. Lord, we pray and thank you for our participation in the gospel by giving. And Lord, help us to be cheerful givers, that we would be thankful that you would allow us to give back to you a portion of what you have so richly blessed us with. In Jesus' name, amen. Benediction. I wanted to mention that I will be um, not in the office this week, be um, out on vacation, and I look forward to being back with you this next Sunday. Um, our brother uh, Ted Ragsdale will be leading our worship service. Receive the benediction of our Lord. Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glor- glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen.